2: It's time for the Wally Mathot Show. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot.
0: Welcome to the Wally Mathot Show. I'm Brent Wallace, and he's the stylish Mark Mathot. Hey, Meth, did you bring out the big suits? Like, have you now got a new suit deal that we're not aware of?
1: (laughs) No. No. These are just old suits that I'm recycling right now from (laughs) from my playing days four plus years ago. So uh, I'm running out. Wally, I definitely don't have the same amount that you have uh i'm gonna have to talk to tsn but yeah i I, would they fit maybe a little maybe a little tighter on the arms. i don't know if you've noticed but i've started working out some more i have well i'm the one that helped you carry that (laughs) 1500 pound treadmill into your basement that you're likely not using so that's good i listen i run every day in new zealand wait are you actually using it yeah oh good for you good for you that's good so i guess it wasn't all for nothing because i'm pretty sure i Tore something in my back. (laughs) So that was like because you have that like winding basement, right? Like a small flight of stairs and another flight of stairs. Oh my goodness. That was a that was a
0: battle. So I well, I'll just get into it. My friend comes over and they've dropped this pallet off in the garage. And I lift up the back end. I'm like, that's pretty light. So I call my buddy, can you help me move it? The front end is 18 times heavier than the back end. So I'm like, so the only guy I know that can help is you. And you're like, oh my knee, my knee. Anyway, you come over basically just handle it with one hand while I'm struggling at the back end. No. And you're just humping
1: it down the stairs. I was definitely not just humping it down the stairs. It was really heavy. (laughs) I was struggling. It was monstrous. But but when it comes to workout equipment, I'm all for that. I'm going to support you guys if ever you need help with that kind of stuff. But anything else, you know, outdoor work, that kind of thing, not no (laughs) chance.
0: Okay, because, yeah, I I do use it. Uh, I've used it a lot, and I also added a squat rack, supposed to – Let's be honest. It's for my kid, but I use it sometimes yeah. as well. I'd have Good. to take the weights off Good. from what he uses, but yeah, I use it. <laughs> um, today's show is brought to you by sportsinteraction.com. Go to sportsinteraction.com slash Wally for the most live daily competitive odds. Sportsinteraction.com is Canada's online casino and sports book. Uh, Math, coming up in our show today, uh, we've got Mike Condon in the Whitewater chat. Uh, I know you played with him. Uh, a fantastic guy. One of the things that's interesting about him is right now, while well, we did the interview before the Olympic team was announced. Devin Levi is at the Olympics and Mike Condon is the goalie coach at Northeastern where Devin plays. And so we're going to have an interesting chat nice. with him about playing with Devin and coaching him. So that's one of the cool things about uh, today's conversation with Mike Condon. Stick around for that. That is brought to you as always by Whitewater Beer. Go to shopwhitewater.ca and use the new coupon code, which is WHAMSHOW. Get 15% off. Get some uh, I guess High Tide is one of my favorites, right? And the Farmer's Daughter, uh, all of them. And you can pick them up and get a mixed and match all that kind of stuff. They do local delivery as well in the Ottawa area. Go to shopwhitewater.ca for that. Uh, we should get to the headlines because there's lots to talk about. I don't even know where to start, but I'm going to start with the sense. And uh, there's a couple of things recently that's happened. One is Nick Paul, as Frank Cervelli has reported, uh, he's turned down a three-year, $3 million deal. I don't... I don't know that that's a bad deal. I guess it's the term that's the issue. He is the longest-serving senator. He's only played 209 games. However, he's just 26. At $3 million, would you pay him? Because Alex Formington is an RFA and is going to have to get paid. Who gets more money, Alex Formanton or Nick Paul?
1: Uh, I, well, was it $3 million? I, I thought it was two. I thought that was three years at $2 million. So was Did Frank report three, in fact? Was that yeah. the actual dollar amount? Wow, okay. Well, I thought for sure he'd hop on something like that. If I was Nick Paul, that would definitely be something I'd be looking at because I thought the initial reports were around $2 million over three years, but I guess I'm but, wrong. Um, but
0: here's the thing. Okay, so even if it's $2 million, here's the thing. If you're Nick right. Paul, you know that the Sens are going to be in a number crunch in a couple of years. You can leverage yeah. that now to hit the UFA market, right, and go, if you're not right. going to pay me, there's some
1: team right now that wants to make a playoff push that's going to give him three and a half. Yeah. I, I think for me, uh, you look at Nick Paul, before we get into Formington, I think if you look, you look at Nick Paul, he's a big guy. He skates very well. He's got some experience now playing overseas. We saw him play in, in different tournaments. He was very good at the World Championships. Uh, he's so versatile. Like, he can play up and down the lineup. I know I've already said all this stuff. I'm not yeah. going to get in, into it too deep. But for me, at his age now, I, what is he, 20, 26, 27? I think he's 26. That, to me, is like, that's, those are his prime years. Right. So if you could lock him up even for four or five years to just sweeten the pot, I I would do it because you're going to get longevity out of him. The team knows how well he takes care of himself. He's always at the top of the list. Uh, you know, when in, in the fitness testing, trust me, that stuff matters because it just shows you his compete level and his his willingness to get better every summer. And and so his his head's in the right space. I, I would trust him at a four or five year deal. I obviously I, I don't know the inner workings of. Um, you know the department with with the on the business side of the Ottawa yeah. Senators per se, and I'm not usually known for contract stuff, Wally. But based off of the type of player that he is, I'd be I'd be comfortable giving him term just to sweeten the pot a really? little bit more. And three mil, three million, three million to me, that was on the higher side, I guess. I, I think he could get that no problem in the open market for sure um and usually you do when you go to ufa but yep um you know if you go like i'd be willing to give him four years at three million and i would be comfortable with that because he can play he can play up and down the lineup he can be on your second line he can be on your third line i mean it it makes no difference he's just that good so uh yeah and he's not getting any power play time like it's not like he's on the pp so to use points against him right now is completely disingenuous but that's what i was going to bring up to you I was yeah. going to say,
0: people are looking at the points going, how can you pay a guy that gets uh, 20 points f- a year at, at $3 million. But people forget yeah. the disciple, as Pierre Dorian likes to call him, that like he plays everywhere. And he's okay. the guy that if you need to go to so, center in your second line or your winger yes. in the fourth line, he's there.
1: So you get, you get rid of Nick Paul. Now you're going to go looking for another Nick Paul. That's the kind of player that you want yes. on your team. And he's not only a really good player on the ice. Uh, okay, maybe – at times this season, there have been moments where he was a little quiet. There's times that I would like to see him play with a little more fire and bite, especially at his size. He should be bullying players around on the ice. Uh, I don't think he's been doing that enough. So I got to be fair, right? Uh, but I'm a huge Pauly fan, so I want to make that clear. But my point is, if you if you don't sign him and you lose him now, maybe you get a pick or whatever you get back, or maybe a second round pick, maybe a first round pick, maybe I don't know. I don't know what the return would be, but. You're just gonna you're just gonna have to go out and find another player just like him. So I, I mean, you've got the guy here. He's been in the organization forever. He's very well liked in the dressing yeah. room. For me, it's a no brainer. But that's just that's just my side of it. He's he's Zach Smith to me, and Zach Smith was an extremely valuable
0: player. Yes, uh, ended up and being a twenty goal scorer.
1: Yes, and I can't stress enough how important these guys are in the room. People go, oh yeah, good in the room. That doesn't mean he should be making X amount. Sure, maybe not to that degree, but yeah. and it's not everything. But it's huge having good high character players in your dressing room because when you're playing that 82 game grind and you got some good guys in there that are easy to be around, and 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 they're good players as well, it's a no-brainer. Anyway, that's that's my stance on it. I still think, I still think it's about term. At that age, he's gonna want to maximize his prime seasons. Those are his prime years. He wants to maximize that. And he's got an agent in his ear, probably other people around him, maybe other players from other teams that he knows, and they're all telling him, dude. Do not get lowballed here. These are your prime years that you need to take full advantage of. Trust me. It's going to have a lot of people talking to him from all different directions, but almost all of them are going to be telling him to maximize as much as he can. How much does playing in the only
0: place, you know, and I Columbus for a while, what's that for you? But if they come Mm -hmm. to you and ask you to stay as opposed to leaving, like, does that not play a part of, they call it the hometown discount, but it does play a part when it's the only organization basically he's known and he's the longest serving Senator that yeah. you, you like, you have a comfort factor, right. And you feel you kind of loyalty that you own because they've well, taken such a chance on you.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. This from my angle, at yeah. least when I was with Ottawa, so I signed my, my second, my first NHL deal was two years. My second deal with Columbus was a four-year deal at 3 million a year. And then obviously I signed that, that carried into my Ottawa Senator seasons. Cause I got traded immediately after I signed that deal. But for me, it's it's it, when you're in the middle of a contract negotiation, especially during the season, and you're a player like let's say Nick Paul, who's probably more of a between, right, like a tweener between a role player and a top six forward. Um, when that carrot's being dangled in front of you, all you're thinking is, I just want job security. That's all I want, and you're and there's a risk. Uh, uh, of rolling the dice on that deal and perhaps exploring the market and getting traded and then knowing, okay, maybe the grass won't be greener on the other side. So there are two sides to the coin that you have to be fully aware of. I think with a guy like Nick Paul, he probably does know his worth at this point. He's been around long enough. When I signed my second deal, I was, um, I think I was a little younger. Maybe I was around the same age, actually. So yeah, I guess I could speak to that. It's, he's going to be confident. He knows where he's at. It just depends on, what he's comfortable doing and the risk that he's willing to assess, right? If he thinks, yeah. okay, I'm willing to roll the dice a little bit and see what I'll make at UFA, then so be it. But for me, if I'm him, and if they're willing to give me that extra year, perhaps I'd probably take it. Interesting. I want him to
0: take the the money and run. Like if they, if he gets more, if he thinks he can get more money elsewhere,
1: yeah, this is your contract. But, I say go do but it. Self- selfishly i want this team to do well just you do right? right like i want to be able to cover a good team next year yeah i want this team to be yes. competitive i want to and- i want to be covering a playoff team and i know that if you want that you probably should sign this player probably i mean if you're willing to give a player like uh delzato or anybody else two million two million dollars you can't give a guy playing you know big minutes
3: yeah
1: you know three million over four years at 26 come on
0: yeah, I'm with you. Nick Paul is, I think, vastly underrated because he just does a lot of different things that people tend to overlook. Um, all right. Next topic. Holden a minute. Uh, Nick Holden. He's on fire. Like I'm going to, we, there is a, a bonus or a bump you get from being on this show. I told him the day before he came on that he, and then he went and scored a goal and then he came on. Now he's, <laughs> he's got th- uh, four points his last three games. He's the hottest Ottawa Senator in the last three games. Yeah. Um, what, but more importantly, his defensive game has been vastly improved, as is the team. So what has changed on the back end? And I'll, I have this note. So uh, at the beginning of the year, up until January 21st, they were tied with Montreal for the worst goals against record in the National Hockey League at 3.67 a game. Since January 22nd until today, uh, February 10th, they are tied for second overall in the league at two goals per game. Huh. So there's goaltending for sure.
1: Yeah, Uh, but I think what has changed,
0: you know, defensively that you've seen in the way they play.
1: Yeah, so defense, so so goaltending. You just nailed it, Wally. Goalie, the goaltending has been a no-brainer. You need that. You can't let in softies every game. So I'll just ignore that topic. Good for Matt Murray. We're all happy for him and the team. I think defensively, well, you've got Holden and Zub. All of a sudden, to me, that's the biggest thing. That pairing has been. A real stabilizing factor on that back end. They've been terrific, and it's so underrated because they don't get a lot of accolades. They don't get well, mind you. Holdy's getting a lot of points right now, but <laughs> typically speaking, they're not going to be on your highlight reels, right? So you, they kind of fly under the radar. I think they've been very good. I think I know some people have been a little bit critical of Thomas Shabbat. I think he's been very good. I, I've been watching him at the uh, at home games here, and 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 he hasn't had a partner. Like think about that for a second. He hasn't had a st- he hasn't had any stability. On his right side. It's just been Thomas Shabbat with whoever is healthy at the time and gets inserted there. So I think defensively, um, collectively, as a whole group, including the forwards, they've been much more responsible. But I do think a big, a big reason for their recent success has been the line shuffling, finally landing something that works in Holden and Zub. So finally, you're starting to get a little stability, a little more familiarity back there on that yeah. back end. I still think Zaitsev's not the right fit for, for Shabbat. And I know he's probably a really good guy, but I, that, does, that pairing does not work. I feel bad for Shabby because you've got an absolute all-star right there that doesn't have a guy that he can consistently play with. So that's going to be a big thing that they need to address this summer. For now, it's survival mode. It's just too chaotic. The pairing is too chaotic. I, I don't think Zaitsev has the poise with the puck. He doesn't have the size to play the way he wants to play um so he's sort of in flux in that like little limbo where he's not big enough to play that defensive style role that you seem that he and, and he scrambles a lot he's sort of out of position sometimes I feel like he gets rid of the puck a little too quickly at times as well uh but yeah that second pairing has been very good you're getting good glimpses from Brandstrom when he is playing um but overall I think as a group they've been playing very well and they've they've they're, they're responding to their goaltending Wally it's as simple as that
0: Okay, so a couple of points, and I, I, I'm going to get back to the team defense in a sec. But you brought up Shabbat. Sure. Sh- t- I, to me, yeah. Thomas Shabbat is in a no-win situation. Either he comes out yeah. and has three points a night and plays 30 minutes, or people think that he's had a bad game. Right? Yeah. There is there doesn't seem to be a way that they can justify Thomas Shabbat just being this good, and th- because they think that that's not a very good game from him. It's yeah. like Sidney yeah, Crosby no, has to
1: score a hat trick. Yeah. So so the standard that he's because the team's not been very good over the last, you know, several seasons now, the yeah. standard for Shabby is so high that if he doesn't meet that 27-minute out-of-your-mind style play per, every night, people will start getting critical of his game. I don't think that's very fair. I think that you could make an argument that he's their most valuable player. I mean, without Thomas Shabbat, that team doesn't win these games. They just don't. Like, you, you can you can get away a little bit with not having Batherson in and and, and and Norris or Kachuk. you can individually if, but, but I mean, let's focus in on one single player on this team that you absolutely have not having in your lineup. And that's Thomas Shabbat. He needs to be there. So he, I think has been very good. They just need a little more stability. They need to find a partner for him and they don't have it right. right now. Uh, but Shabbat doesn't put up big power play numbers,
0: despite his power play opportunities. Which, would would which you take surprising. him off the power play?
1: No, I would not because his movement is very good up the ice. I think for me and I'm not a power play guy so you know full disclosure as everybody knows, my hands were cement um, when you're playing the power play, a lot of it is just puck control getting out of your zone right making the right decisions finding the right outlets he's excellent at doing that and he's excellent on the offensive blue line on his movement. I don't know if it's a shot or if he's just snake bit and not getting the luck that he that other players perhaps are getting um, but when I'm watching him, especially at home here and I'm I'm in the building and I'm able to pay attention to him. He's so good. uh, You know, the side to side stuff on the, on the offensive blue line under pressure, especially he's able to evade players. He's setting guys up and their power plays look very good. He's just not getting the points. I can't figure that out. I don't know if it's a shot or what it is, or maybe he's not shooting enough or, or he's not picking his spots, but there's certainly an argument there, Wally. And I will agree with you and I can't defend it. He's not getting the production that probably he should be getting given the amount of minutes he's playing. But, I mean, other than that, I like everywhere else in his game right now. I like his defensive game. I think he's been very good on transitions. He's just got to find some more production offensively. I'll give you that one.
0: Uh, okay, so whenever Thomas Shabbat makes a mistake, everybody can point it out because it, it's glaring because we're not used to seeing him make mistakes. Fair enough? Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so how many defensive mistakes are players allowed, like defensemen allowed to make in a game? My point is that well, he doesn't make that many, but it seems to be no. people want to point it out. So I'm curious, like, yeah,
1: how many would you make a game? Oh, so when you're a defenseman, there's 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 mistakes and there's there's egregious mistakes that yeah. are very costly and allow a forward. Like when Branstrom makes a mistake, not his fault. It's a size, usually in my opinion. When he makes a mistake, usually it's getting beat or out of position in net front, and you'll get an they get a prime chance, right? But after other than that, he's usually pretty steady and okay when he has the puck especially. Thomas Shabbat's little mistakes here and there aren't costing the team goals. And, and when you're playing 30 minutes a night or 27, whatever it is, you're gonna make mistakes. Like th- there's no question it's going to happen. So um, I'm not seeing it. I honestly, I, I think that comes down to just having a better partner because I'm watching a player like Zaitsev, shovel the puck up the wall. There's the odd turnover here and there, and then it's getting shoved right back down their throats defensively. And they're both having to scramble. So that's going to cause mistakes, getting those clean exits and getting more established zone time in the offensive zone is going to mitigate all that stuff. So it, it's, there's no science to it. It's, it's that simple. Um, just one other point on defensive
0: game, uh, 12 times in the first 33 games this season, Ottawa allowed five goals or more. Uh None, by the way, in the last nine. So yeah, goaltending uh, goal and penalty kill. And penalty kill is Nick Holden and, and Artem Zub, basically. Because Holden's penalty kill time, if you see it, has astronomically increased of late. Um, so you got a tweet. Someone sent you a tweet yesterday. Matthew Lizotte. Uh It said, serious question. Are people like Shabbat blessed at birth with crazy genetics or do they work harder than the hardest working athletes in the world to get crazy cardio and VO two max capacities, it just baffles me how
1: in shape people like him are. Uh, what is your response to this? That's that's a player. First of all, that is incredibly efficient with his skating. I don't. I wouldn't say he's the most dynamic guy in his first few steps. Like I don't see. I don't see like you don't know, remember Eric Carlson on a transition? He just be gone. Like it was like boom. You know, like very explosive. Shabby does, doesn't strike me as a very explosive player. But he's such a beautiful and efficient skater. And and so he's not wasting a ton of energy. He doesn't have to play a very heavy game. Um, yeah. You know, And when I say that, he's capable of it. I'm not saying he's soft, but he's not yeah, running yeah. around trying to lay guys out. Right. So so that helps. And he's been doing this for years, his entire career, including in junior, just playing big minutes. So that's carrying into his play now. And you, you, you watch around the NHL. Sure. There are some players like Hedman and and Darnell Nurse that are also playing big minutes on D and they're big guys, but it's not the same style of play. And it's just different. And I think for me, when you look at a player like like Thomas Shabbat and, and he mentions, you know, the willingness to work harder than other players. Every player you're watching in the NHL and most pro sports are players, for the most part, from a young age that have put in work. And made sacrifices that a lot of other people don't want to do. And that's just the the reality. That's the difference between. And this applies to a lot of things in life, I would assume. I mean, I'm not a business guy. I can only talk about hockey. But doing the things unprompted. You know, like I was doing stuff when I was a kid. I was a six-round draft pick at the OHL level. I wasn't a highly talented prospect. And I was leaving myself notes as a 14 year old above my bedroom door in the summer with with regards to training, like I was doing stuff that a lot of guys my age weren't doing, I wasn't going to parties during the uh, high school years right like I was missing out on a ton of stuff. And I made that conscious decision to do that because I had it in my mind that that's what I wanted to do so that separated me from a lot of people I was very competitive I didn't need my mom and dad to push me that's just what I did. So. That's the difference between these elite players. And then you go that much further with the elite guys, like Crosby, Sidney Crosby. He works, you heard some of the stories that the players have told about his competitive level in the summer, how he goes just as hard in the summer skates than he does in the, in the winter during the season, right? That's the difference. It's just, what are you willing to sacrifice and give up to be that much better than somebody else? And a lot of people get uncomfortable with that idea. And then you get the, the rare players and individuals that are willing to do it. It's, it's really, it's that simple.
0: Sidney Crosby was the only player I ever wanted to actually see practice because he was so good in practice. It was amazing. He told it's Cody CC got traded there and he said to CC goes, how do you want your passes? He goes, you just get them within five feet of me. That's all you have to do. (laughs) Like, and to take, watch him take stuff at full speed anywhere. He's He's amazing to watch play as a player. I, I, will give you that. The uh... like,
1: look at, yeah, like look at him and then look at another player, like Marshawn skates with him too. I think in the yep. summer, right? Like you watch how competitive those guys are in games. Like, look at like marsh I know a lot of people don't like him. <laughs> watch him play, watch him, watch him practice. Like these guys go hard and to do it for that long takes a special mind. And I can, I can appreciate it. Cause I've been around both sort of personalities And almost all the elite players are just different. Like they're just, they're obsessed with the game and it it can take a toll on you, but oftentimes leads to a lot of success too. Uh,
0: I guess I'll just bring it up now. Brad Marchand got six games for his nonsense against Tristan Jari and the (laughs) Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, There's a couple of things from that. One, I want to get to you uh, about the play, but people are like, why didn't didn't Brad Marchand hit Sidney Crosby or go after Crosby uh, because he hit Bergeron and put Bergeron out of the game? Well, one is because they skate together in the offseason, right? And you can see yeah. at the end of that, Crosby grabs, I think it's Brad from back, right? And Brad doesn't try yep. to fight whatsoever with Crosby. One, no, I think it's a, they respect. Have a respect, two, respect for each other. I think Crosby could probably handle his own. Like that guy is as solid as they come. I, I just found strong. it interesting that these two now, like, what's going through Crosby's mind? You just tried to punch my goalie and you tried to spear him in the face. Like, yeah. Do I have to do something? Do I just hold you? Like, well, and their teammate, their team Canada team. I need,
1: I know you need another guy on the ice to do something about that. I, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I, I I like to usually air to the side of like whatever. I don't Okay, you didn't situation. want
0: anything about Aaron Dell. So what do you want to see now with
1: Tristan Jari? Like, I didn't want anything. No, I did. Well, no, I did want something. I just understood why it was such a difficult thing to to respond to because it happened to be a goalie. Right, uh, but but if a guy takes a punch at your goal, goalies are restricted in all their equipment, right? Like they're all they're all, you know, tell that to Price who
0: drove his blocker into the back of Chris Kreider's right. head or whatever it was
1: twice. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not I hate it when goalies play tough. I hate it because they're not tough. They're not most exactly. of them, unless it's like yeah. a Ron Hextall or a Billy Smith, Billy Smith <laughs> or someone. But most most goalies aren't. So I mean, we'll just get that out of the way. But no, you know what? I watched the play. I loved it. So. Like the whole Marshaw theatrical thing, the punch—like it made me laugh so hard. I loved it. You got this little, you got this little guy fly swatting the goalie in the face, <laughs> and then he goes up like slap shot style. It takes a swipe at him with his stick. <laughs> yeah. I know it's unpopular. I know a lot of people don't like that stuff in the game. I love it because it's entertaining. Like I think it's funny, and no one got seriously hurt on the play. So you know, it everyone was okay. So we don't have to get all crazy here and and attack anybody for having a deferring opinion I think it was entertain a pure entertainment I enjoyed it yes I would like to have seen a response anybody just grab Marshawn. at least act like you care wrestle yep. him to the ice I'm not saying you have to square off with anybody um but you know that's just the way it is and we've been seeing that a lot eh? like the same thing happened when when that Montebo the goalie in Montreal got leveled last week there was zero response and they were heavily criticized our friend andre yep. Waugh was very outspoken on Twitter about it. So when a goalie gets hit, you got to do something about it because you only have two of them. You can't afford to lose two of them, let alone you know, two or one, especially when it's your starter. So um, is a entertaining guy. The wires got crossed and he lost his marbles for a couple seconds, and that's that's what happened. Nobody responded. I don't know. He also I, that's the, I don't have an opinion on it. I, I I like the play. He also took the puck at the end of the game. I just don't. I get saw it, that
0: right. So he's he's so annoying. He just wants someone to react to. It. I love he just, it. right?
1: It and that's The like, league is better. The league is yes. better with more of these guys. Like come yes. on. We don't want Look, to see a bunch of vanilla out there. We want to see some exciting, Sean controversial Avery, nonsense. Cook, yes. All those guys yes. everybody loved to hate hockey them, and they love to play that role. Yarko Rutu yeah, was another one, right? So Yes. I, I Get don't the rats in there. Bring back the rats.
0: Kenny Lentman, where are you? Um <laughs> But the issue is is six games enough, or is like if they gave Jason a six games
1: for the kneeing? Too much. Is this? But
0: he's a repeat offender.
1: I know, I know, and that's that. That's that. That is the counter argument to what I just said. I mean, that buries my my my. Like, I don't like six games. I don't like it at all because Brad Marchand brings people into the crowd and I know, or excuse me, puts people in the seats, right? Yeah. Yes. You need to be fair. I understand that you can't give preferential treatment to a player because he happens to be an all-star, but I mean, if like, this is a contact sport there's people bare knuckle fight in hockey. So we're like, we're setting a precedent now, you know, moving forward. I understand again, I know he's a repeat offender. I just, I don't really have any excuse here, Wally. I just I wanted to watch him play. I like watching him play. I hated playing against him, but I enjoy watching him play as a, as a as a spectator. I thought too. I thought six games was just too much. I don't have a compelling argument for that. I just I don't like it. I three games would have been for me, and even that debatable. Four hundred eighty-eight
0: thousand one hundred seventy dollars and seventy-two cents. He's going to forfeit from this little it's uh, bullshit.
1: It's bullshit. See? It's too much money. <sighs>
0: But if you if you don't send the message to Brad and something happens with like, I guess, Spets or somebody else, then they're like, well, OK,
1: the only yeah, thing is Jason I don't understand. Spetz's, Jason Spets knee to the head was infinitely more dangerous than what Brad Marchand did. Are you kidding? You can't compare what, the two. If you're punching a goalie in the back of the head, who's defenseless. It wasn't a to punch you, in the back of the head. It was what a if he connected? <laughs> oh. What if he connected? Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. What if he brought a hammer on the ice and started <laughs> hammering guys on? You know. Like, like, okay. It's a good point. But he did it, and right. that matters. What Last, did he do? Fine. You know what? F- fine. Um, would My you argue? Brad- suck today. I don't. I can't defend this. I, I just do not want to see him get suspended. <laughs> do you want Brad Marchand on your hockey team any day of Yes. The Who doesn't? Who ask any player in the NHL? Any player in the NHL will also say we want Tom Wilson on our team. I mean, come on. This is. Nonsense. I
0: I can't say the name of the person, but there was one star athlete who told me he would not want Brad on his team.
1: Okay, was it okay, whatever. I mean, was it a guy that probably got into a ton of back and forth with Brad Marchand? Obviously, he was biased. Probably you highly respect him as a person. Okay, so it was Daniel Alfredson.
0: No, no. Um, moving on. Okay. Uh, Sidney, Crosby, <laughs> Sidney Crosby comes to town tonight uh, looking for his 500th career NHL goal. Uh, the last time, by the way, he scored in Ottawa during the regular season was April 5th, 2016. He had a pair of goals. Um, he has gone goalless in his last four regular season games. The last time he scored in Ottawa was actually oh, uh, against you. Look out. Actually, you weren't on the ice, but against uh, Ottawa in the playoffs.
1: Of course Does I wasn't
0: he- on the ice. Uh, well, I I was going to get the, the goal before uh, you were. Uh, just stop talking. <laughs> so how
1: does he, A, do you think he gets goal number 500 tonight? Yes. I I mean, look, Ovechkin got his 500th, right? He's going to get it. <laughs> I mean, and his goal is through four, you said, which I was unaware of. Goal I mean, is through four games against Ottawa. He is due. Now, it comes down to just, yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, okay, if Ottawa... Turns this into a penalty show, and and you give the Pittsburgh Penguins a lot of power play opportunities. Yeah. His odds are going to severely increase. But I, I I just think at this point, a player like him can't be held off for that long. I think eventually he'll will his way into that net. And and knowing Sydney and how what he's capable of, there's a there's a high probability he'll score tonight.
0: Seven goals, seven assists, fourteen points in nineteen career games at the Ottawa Arena. Pretty it's good, good stats. Yeah. Um. How okay. I, and this isn't a question about Sidney Crosby, but because he's playing and looking for his five hundred, and you've played a lot of hockey against him, how do you defend, uh, and I don't want the cliche answer of time and space, how do you no, defend no, I got, I got Sidney Crosby?
1: It's it's time and space. No, I'm kidding. It's, you know what, with, with Sid, it's, it's skating. Um, he's such a strong skater, so you need to be positionally sound and keep up with him. So when he's in the corner and he's doing his little cutbacks and he's looking for guys... When he when he comes out of those cutbacks and those reverse plays, he does um, his heads up the whole time. So as he's turning, he's finding players. Remember that little, remember that back and forth years back with Jason Spezza, the highlight reel uh, that led to the a goal. Where he goes to Latang, Latang, and anyway, that's a prime example where Jason actually played that very well. Like that, that it's an unfortunate clip because yeah, I get it. Like it's dramatic looking. Sid's got the puck the whole time, but Jay's not giving him anything, right? So. You need to have two um, competent defensemen and four and three competent forwards out against him. That and obviously you can't have your whole game plan focused on Sidney Crosby because then it opens up the play for other good, good players like Gensel, Rust, and, and Malkin, etc. So for me with Sidney, it's just be between him and the net. Make sure that you're you're trying to get good sticks in the lane, so you're preventing him from making those nice little pop plays that he's very good at doing. And you try to play him as physical as you can give him give it to him, you know, give him the odd little cross check on the back, very subtle, get in his head a little bit. If you can, it's hard to do it, but he's the kind of guy that you know, you you won't necessarily push out of the game because he thrives. He's very competitive, but you can, you can make life difficult for him. You could try to frustrate him a little bit. So play him hard, get our, get Zub out there. Just like McDavid, same game plan, get and holding out there against him all night, make sure that they're between him and the net He's going to get chances, Wally. Good players always do. It doesn't matter what you do. But you try to eliminate eliminate the the, the glaring second and third opportunities around the net. You do that, you'll give yourself a good chance.
0: Obviously, he's very smart, and that's how he's been able to play for so long. But is his strength a lot of times, like his lower body strength, something that people forget about? When you see him play, you can see how strong he is lower
1: body-wise. Well, his legs are like, tree trunks yeah. like i've seen them i played with them i didn't play with them but when we were at the olympic camp together in calgary um i got a chance to meet him and talk to him lots and we were always doing workouts together and you could see how he was built it was just like a truck uh his legs from top to bottom like it almost looks odd that's how large they are so um it explains where he gets a lot of his power from um and uh, just with his ability to see the play, his vision, his hands—I mean, it's why he's had such a successful career, right? He's able to put it all together.
0: But in last one, does it not amaze you of how successful he's been? Because every time he's on the ice, someone like you is trying to punch him in the back of the head or cross-check him or hold him up or whatever it is, and he still is the league MVP for however many yeah, times. Yeah, that's what right?
1: separates. Yeah, that's what separates a Hall of Fame player from a good player or you know an average player in the NHL. I mean that's. That's why he's been so successful because his, and I think I'll attribute a lot of that to just his compete level. He's so hyper-focused. We know how superstitious he is. He has a good game and he taped a stick a certain way or had a drink of something at any given time prior to the game. He will literally replicate every, every step that he can remember going into the next game. And that's just how he is. He's got that, uh, that drive that a lot of players can't really match. And that's, as I said earlier, In the conversation, the difference between the elite players and the players that you know just survive at this level.
0: Uh, speaking of elite and big tree trunk legs, Martin St. Louis uh becomes a Canadian's head coach. Two things on this. One, I'm a little obviously disappointed it's not Luke Richardson. One, because we know him, but two, everybody that I've ever spoken to thinks he's a really good head coach and deserves a chance. He's not going to get it in Montreal, and I think because he doesn't speak French. That's that's just a reality. Um, I'm disappointed that they had him come out that day to speak to the media and then later introduce Marty St. Louis as the head coach. I, I wish they would have done that differently.
1: I'm, I'm conflicted because I can understand having management positions and a head coach having to speak French. You got to remember, and I know the argument is always, well, yeah, but shouldn't you just go for the best available candidate? I get that. But imagine being a French Canadian living in Quebec in a rural town that probably don't speak a lot of English and you can't, Communicator, understand the communication from the management and you're a diehard Habs fan totally get it I get so that's why I I always I'd like to think that you should go after the number one guy and maybe that number one guy doesn't speak French but I mean if I'm a fan and I don't speak a lick of English I want a French guy that I can relate to that I can listen to in interviews so I understand that and St. Louis it was surprising for sure when you had Mm. other candidates that have coached at that level, right? Like Patrick Waugh, Guy Boucher, a lot of different coaches that you could, and I I can go down a long list. Marty St. Louis doesn't have experience at that position. Um, It's bold, I guess. And I mean, a lot of the media pundits, a lot of people were saying the same thing and echoing those same sentiments where, you know, you got a guy that is going to be under the gun here and Gordon picks a guy that hasn't, doesn't have the experience. So I'm curious to see how it goes. I know Marty St. Louis briefly, I've met him before. I've never played with him, but I know that he's, very passionate about the game. Um, he knows a lot, yeah. a lot about hockey, and he's been involved now ever since he retired. He's been very involved, so it's not like he's out of touch. I, I don't know how what to think. We're gonna have to wait and see. I think it's risky. I think it's bold, but I can appreciate the fact that they went after a guy that can speak French. I so and Luke will probably and you know he's
0: going to help him every chance he can. So I think that he's going yeah. to be well surrounded by that entire staff. Is yeah, and it's only an interim basis right they've only got them till the end of the year so you get to have a test drive basically to see so maybe see that's that's what it response. is like yeah I, I, yeah and, and that's com- it and we've all and you know what people are doing all the time and maybe just because everybody's trying to latch on to the same thing and that is let's do bold let's do different and let's try to change things well you get yeah. it so now if it doesn't work people are like why did you do that you hired this guy that didn't have any well, experience have
1: nothing to lose the, the beauty of this Is that, and and I think that's kind of parroting off of what you just said, Wally, they have nothing to lose, right? Like they're playing, they're playing fantastically horrible. Like I can't, it almost (laughs) looks like they're throwing games, right? Like it's, it's been that bad. Really? It has been. If anybody's been paying attention to the Habs, they are God awful. So I mean, you could make an argument that you should bring in a guy that you could that know you know has experience, gets used to the group right now, and then can make some competent decisions in the summer. But maybe St. Louis works out very well here. I mean, you get a fresh look from a passionate guy that knows the game, that has played the game, that will win over the players' respect immediately. Uh, but but in fairness to Ducharme, he's got a great track record. Like he's yeah. he like if you look at his if you look at his his track record over his coaching career, I mean, he's no slouch either. So I find this all interesting. I can understand him getting canned at this point because the team just very clearly was tuning him out. I mean, it, it showed on the ice. So we'll have to wait and see. I, I'm curious to see how it plays out with Marty because I, I think it's. I don't think you can go wrong. I think that you're going to get a guy now that the players will have a deep amount of respect for. So it can only work out, I think, in the short term. But I worry about the long term and the lack of experience that he brings. That's the yep. only criticism that I can bring.
0: I agree. I agree. You know what? Like oh, yeah. we're talking about a historically bad Montreal Canadiens team, arguably the worst that's ever been on. Could you? The one thing that saved them right now, I think, is COVID. Because could you imagine if that building was full on a nightly oh, basis? How, the Bluebirds.
1: Oh wow! It would be relentless. I know, I know. I know. I'm with you. I, I'm. I i do not envy that position. So they are kind of fortunate in that in that oh. sense. But at some point, we might see things open up here before the end of the season, and the fans will start going in. So let's just hope you know we don't see the jersey throwing on the ice i hate yeah. it when they do that so we'll yeah. see. anyway
0: um great stuff today as always and speaking of great stuff coming up uh soon we got uh, the mike condon interview uh, fantastic it dives into lots of different things so stick around for that uh the Wally of thought show headlines brought to you by bei Bonisher excavating inc bei specializes in excavation grading drainage projects also equipment rentals aggregate and topsoil sales visit BonisherExcavating.com. bei helping to shape the ottawa valley All right, welcome back to the show, and now welcome in a guy who almost single-handedly saved one of the auto senator seasons and ended up making him go to the Eastern Conference final, Mike Condon, all the way from
3: beautiful, let's say, Boston. How are you? Yeah, Boston. Yeah, I'm doing well, guys. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. What have you been up to? Uh, oh, geez. Um, I've been on the <laughs> rehab train for quite a while now. It's been, uh, it's been going a little bit longer than I would like, but uh, when you... When you play, uh, you know, hawk goalie for for twenty years, and you got these terrible Irish genetics, um, it takes some time to to clean all that up after a while. So I've been on the rehab train, been um, working at Northeastern as a volunteer goalie coach for uh, as my first year here, and um, yeah, just doing uh, doing all the things that I you know wanted to do that I couldn't do when I was playing. So got engaged, got a baby coming in June, wow, bought great. a house. And I got two rescue dogs now, so um, that the plate the plate's pretty full now. So you're a family man now. I'm a family man. I always 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 wanted it. I couldn't when I was playing. I I was so focused on myself, and I didn't really have any yeah. think I could split my time and still be good on the ice. And you know, I, I often think about guys like like Kyle Turris,
1: oh. and, even, and even you, Meth. Like like but, you guys. You, can we talk about Kyle Turris for a second? Do you remember <laughs> seeing him walking into the rink at oh. times where you're just like. Oh my goodness. Like he looked like he was a, like a zombie. And then he'd be in the shower, like leaning on the wall, just like letting the water hit his back. <laughs> yeah, this
3: poor guy. And I'm like, okay, I definitely can't do that. And then he'd still go out and have two tucks and then just rinse, yeah. wash, repeat for that for him. So I was like, I don't yeah. think I have the energy for that. So you no, know, after <laughs> hockey, I'm, I'm I'm lucky to be able to do it now. So I'm definitely, I did that all in like five months. So it's uh, putting more stuff on my plate. So
1: it's good. Fondo, though, you talked, you talked about the injuries, Um, you know, you touched on that there early on when you're giving us your summary uh, with the rehabbing. So like what's going on with the body? Obviously you've had some big injuries, but I'm assuming, is there any, anything significant that's still lingering? Yeah. um,
3: You know, you kind of learn stuff as you know, right. Like while I was playing, I was trying to get the best people in different opinions. Everyone was kind of giving me a different story and you know, if you fix this, you can help that. A lot of it was kind of chicken and egg. Is it it your back causing your hip or your hip causing your back? And, you know, Mm -hmm. I I did a lot of different therapies. I tried everything, PRP, stem cells, surgery, cortisone, um, chiropractic, acupuncture, all that stuff. Um, But when you have like a joint cartilage type thing, you know, that's something that as humans, we haven't in science, we haven't been able to do yet is regrow cartilage. And yeah. Um, it just got to the point where a, you know, I, I really couldn't play, <laughs> you know, I was, yeah. I really couldn't do what I wanted to do. And, you know, when you, when you go on the ice and you don't feel prepared and you know that like, Hey, if, if they pass to the left on a two, one, one, there's really no chance that I can get there. And that's really like a, like a really bad feeling. Cause it feels like you're not hmm. prepared. So um, my buddy who I played in college with just opened up a chiropractic uh, practice down the road and he dropped the levels on me, you know, when they drop the the thing on you, see your posture. And I was kind of like, <laughs> like this and like, like an S pattern. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, I, like, it's crazy. The body doesn't feel that, you know, but like when they, when they measure you, you're like, Hey, like there's some stuff going on. So I had, um I had something in my lower back that I was born with that I didn't really know about. And that's, that's not an excuse. It's just something I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, And then obviously had hip surgeries in college and, you know i played 10 years after that eight years after that so a lot of guys get that hip surgery as goalies and they they never really play again so i'm not complaining i'm not trying to elicit any uh, empathy or remorse or anything but uh it's been a, it's it's been a lot and just trying to get back in alignment get my hip fitting the problem is my hip doesn't fit properly in its socket anymore so it, it grinds in the wrong spots and yeah um, putting your socks on isn't fun but um you know, if I, if I could do it again, I would. So I'm, I'm not complaining. It's just, it's just part of the game and doing that rehab
1: train. Yeah. That's it's, it's relentless. And I, and I I wanted to talk about that because I obviously I'm aware of, of some of your injuries and I've read some of the really good articles that the, particularly the athletic one, and mm-hmm. you talked about your injuries and you mentioned cartilage. It's the same issue with me with my knee, right? That's the one modern medicine and sports, especially that I think would be the miracle cure for a lot of us athletes. Mm-hmm. Like I, every day I deal with it like I'm reminded like I'm about to, I'll get up off this chair when I'm done right. and I'm like I'm using my arms like it, it, I don't think like people tend to forget how much you give as an athlete sometimes right like you don't you don't really realize it until you're you're done yeah. and you're left with these long-term lingering injuries that last forever and it affects your lifestyle like it affects how I play with my kids yeah. it affects everything I do on a day-to-day basis so I feel for you there man and if you have any uh, advice at any point, or you figure something out down there in the states, please share the information with me because I'm always looking for a cure. There you go. You, Canada's always ahead
3: of the United States in terms of treatment, so I'm sure. And you guys got that free stuff up there too. So that's I'm debatable. Like, yeah. I think. I think <laughs> Don't start, I think a condo.
1: Don't start exposed during the pandemic, but that's that's another conversation. We'll, we'll stay away from uh, politics, but uh, yeah. no, you're right there. It's like uh,
3: you're right there. It's 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 like emotionally it's tough because it zaps so much of your energy because like you just want to focus on what you have to do and it's just constantly talking to you reminding you and it's good though because when you wake up in the morning you can tell what the weather already is before (laughs) oh that is so So,
1: true like like, oh it's snowing today and they're like what yeah (laughs) (laughs) well but you you said you say that it's true like it affects your mood right like everything everything you do i mean it's like you're always constantly reminded by it so yeah anyway i don't want to beat the beat this dead horse down with the injuries for too long here but i feel for you there man and like i said if you figure anything out with regards to cartilage please share it with me anyway we can move uh, i'm on, on the, the chiropractic course. training i go i go every single day every
3: single day it's like 10 minutes hey, down the road
1: does that work chiropractic stuff works for like cartilage and joint related issues
3: i the way like i changed like the way i see it is that like it's about having like space in your joints and like getting rid of compression so you can actually get longer so like Uh, fair enough you probably have some like a lot of like sharp acute pain in that area but if you can like kind of alleviate other areas where you can kind of get taller and take pressure off that knee um, I I don't I don't really know but at the same time it's like there's certain positions that I'll never be able to get in you know it's like I said I say this story a lot like when I was in Tampa I was looking at andre vasilevsky and he was just sitting in the splits happy as a clam, texting on his phone. And like, here I am just like trying to touch my toe. And I'm like, I got to compete with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going
1: to find a way though. <laughs> I'm going to find a way. Yeah. The best goalie in the world who happens to be limber like a gymnast. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm just like, uh, I mean, Craig
3: wasn't the most flexible guy, but you know, he he still found a way, but uh, you know, I, I, Craig has probably played 10 more years than me and I still probably have butterflied more than him and I don't think he'll ever reach my number and that's why he's that's why he's gonna play until till he's 50 so it's some people can do it but um, yeah. you know, some people can't yeah it's
0: interesting you said I, I'm gonna I guess I'll I was gonna circle back to this at one point but I'm gonna bring it up since you brought up Andrew Andre Vasilevsky I read about you saying you know when you got to that point you thought you could still come back in Tampa and maybe try and figure out this injury and continue your career have you played? Uh, since you basically hung up your skates and said no more to the uh, the career, like, have would you ever? Can you ever go and goal again?
3: Um, I'm sure in the future, if I keep going the way I'm going, I I, I could. I I just um, after I retired, I gave my pads away to a kid um, to plays at Connecticut College because they matched his jerseys pretty well. So I was just like, you can just take these. I have no I have no use for them you know, and that's, that was kind of by design. Like, I think as a player, you want to get to a point where you're just like, you know, it's, it's, I I don't really have any desire to do it. I mean, I I still love competing if I was healthy. Yeah. Let's go full send. Let's do it. But, um, you know, it's kind of reassuring. It's like, I've gotten the most out of my body. I've taken this as far as I can go. Um, and it was a lot farther than I thought I originally could go. So it's, you just got to be grateful for the time that you had and, and not really um, get angry or upset that it, that it ended. I mean, 30 is pretty young. I mean, Meth, when did you retire? When you were 34? 35? Yeah, 35, yeah, I think. So. You know. yeah. um, no, I, I, I got no regrets with it. I have really no desire to go in there now just because of just it's, it's like you know what you could do like you were used to be able to do in there and it was fun and you can actually just worry about stopping the puck, but you're just yeah. kind of, when you get in there, you're kind of, your body's scared because it knows pain is associated with this mm-hmm. and it's going to do everything it can to keep you out of that. But at the same time, when you're playing it, the body finds crazy ways to do things. And that's where we get all these terrible patterns and you start walking around like this. So yep. I was just like, I had enough, you know, I don't want to get a hip replacement before I'm um, 35. So, you know, it's, it's kind of run its course. Okay.
0: Time for pearls of wisdom. Cause I want to get, there's lots of stuff I want to get through. Uh, so this is John by John Proberg. We uh, bring it in every show on, on our guests to get a little bit, we know a little bit more about you. So pearls of wisdom brought to you by sports interaction, 55 games played in 2015, 16, third, most ever by a Habs rookie goalie, Jerry McNeil at 70, Ken Dryden, 64, five shutouts in 2016, 17, the most by an NHL goalie with less than 40 starts that season. Three, the one of three goalies to record a shutout in their Sens debut. That was against Vancouver on November 3rd, 2016. Uh, the others, Patrick Aleem and Craig Anderson, and one, and this was always be the infamous game. First career start versus another goalie making his first career start, as you're aware, Matt O'Connor in the Ottawa Senators net. and You were in the Montreal net, and that ended up leading to Dave Cameron eventually getting fired, according to Eugene Melnick. So let's start uh, in Montreal as you come in to replace Carey Price I know you had a uh, lead up going up, uh, lead up going into that, but that was Montreal where you got to first play in the NHL. What was it like to make that first start? And you, do you remember the hype surrounding
3: the two rookie goalies who made their NHL debuts that night? I do. I do. I, I don't like going to the Brook Street hotel anymore because I played, I played my first game in, the, in, uh, with Montreal at the Brook Street and my first game in Ottawa at the Brook Street. So, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stress in that building, but uh, I remember it. It was a lot. They, they told me, I remember they told me in like a week in advance, like that was the game that I was going to get, which isn't necessarily a good thing. Cause that means you got to think about it for a week. But um, yeah, I remember that game. I was very familiar with Matt O'Connor because um, he played at BU and I, I had buddies on that team and he, he had a really good um, college career. And yeah, I, I, I remember a lot of it. I remember, um, you know, the first shot I got, like, I, I just like my legs were like wobbling and I went down a little too early and thankfully Stony didn't lift it but he just buried it right in my pad and I was like that was the one I needed so I got that one and after that is you know you have all this anxiety and emotion and excitement like every possible human emotion before a game but as soon as that first shot happens I'm sure meth could attest to this too like that first hit um first shot on goal it, it all kind of just fades away so after that it was just like all everything that you were thinking before just kind of evaporates and and then you're in it and you're just you're just fighting so um a lot of stress that day the the, the first game but um it was a good one i remember i remember i think pager scored on me um and yeah it was it was it came down the wire there i think it was three, two to, three to one with an empty net yeah Good memory. Yeah, I think it was three one with an empty net. So, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, that's that always a fun game. Always a fun game on the on the corridor. There was at the four hundred one. I haven't been up there in a while. It's the 401, right? so, 417. <laughs> 417, 417 yeah. Sorry, I've been on a lot of roads, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a fun game and um, happy. To, it's always good to get the first one because you just get out of the way and then you can just get to work. So yeah, that was a yeah. that was a good good win. But what was that ride
0: like in Montreal? when you think of it and you played 55 games in 2015, 16, like, and I will set this up. You're a Boston guy. Was it hard for your family to get behind you being that you're with the rival Montreal Canadiens?
3: Oh no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't a problem at all. It was, you know, when I first signed there like three years before my brother was like, it was, you, know, you just signed with the Yankees. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I guess we'll see, you know, but at the same time, you are the only team that offers you a contract, right? Like it's, you're just grateful that, that they, they give you the opportunity, but um yeah, that was, I was on a two-way contract. So you're either making 65 grand or 575 grand. So, you know, there's, you know, people always say that money isn't a factor or anything like that, but, but you're human and you know it and they can send you up and down at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky to make the team out of camp. It was a kind of a, competition between Dustin Tokarski and myself and I was lucky enough to get the job so that was a that was a big hurdle um two-way contract first year in the NHL carry Price goes down like 12 games into the season so after that it was just kind of try to take care of that one game at a time that one shot at a time and then eventually if you do that long enough the the season will be will be over and um you know you'll be you'll, you'll be in a spot where you know hopefully you're in the playoffs but didn't work out that year in terms of that but it was it was a lot it was a learning experience you know carrying carrying a load in in, in that city where every game is kind of life or death and every, it's it's just a roller coaster of emotions especially in that city you uh got to play the outdoor
0: game that you're I, I guess Montreal played in Boston if you will at Gillette Stadium uh you're, if I'm not mistaken your dad was part of the police escort that took you to this the field, right? Because he's a Massachusetts State police.
3: I think he was, it is. A, uh, he was a Massachusetts State trooper. Trooper, trooper. you got to get that right, Wally. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. I but, should. Uh, Matt's um, dad's
0: a police officer, a former police officer, right? Also, yeah.
3: yeah. Yep. Uh, that's right. Um, I, remember that. I remember them talking a lot
0: on the, on the bus. Oh, yeah. What was that, I guess, that day like for you to, to have that game?
3: oh it was it was awesome especially the skate beforehand you know a bunch of a lot of state troopers were there they came on the ice and it was always kind of been like uh it's where I got a lot of my I think my my work ethic and my character was from from guys like that and meeting them and the things that they do and um it really puts things in perspective I mean someone asked me one time it's like what's it what's it like you know dealing with the pressure of being an NHL goalie and I was like well my dad's has worked as an undercover drug dealer violent fugitive apprehension all this stuff where you can get shot at any time anytime you pull someone over even if you're working the road and my brother you know drives 800 foot ships in and out of ports and there's a lot of fatalities in that too so I'm like my dad and my brother do a lot more pressure-filled dangerous things than myself so this is kind of I mean you can get hurt playing hockey but it's a lot less dangerous but um yeah, it was it was a, it was a fun it was a fun day and um, you know the one thing I was just worried about is if he knew where he was going because to get into the stadium you got to take some like crazy routes. so before like he's we leading the buses in. I'm just like hey you know where you're going right and just like looks at him and he's like yeah I know where I'm going. okay all right just making sure so we showed up on time there were no issues um, you know I, I grew up probably ten minutes from there so it was a lot of friends um, it was just uh, pretty cool wearing a Montreal jersey and having that place go pretty quiet. Uh, that's pretty neat um okay but then you end up on waivers and be s- selected by pittsburgh uh how did that go down yeah um well he we signed al montoya in the summer so kind of my spidey sentences went up there a little bit and i'm like this doesn't really you know add up you know maybe they're making a change who knows can't really control anything about that i thought i'd i thought i did a pretty good job um mm-hmm. in that time but um it's not really you know up to you um They put me on waivers. Um, Pittsburgh was the last waiver claim because they won the Stanley Cup the year before, and Matt Murray broke his thumb in the World Cup of Hockey. So if Matt Murray didn't break his thumb, then I would have been in St. John's, Newfoundland, uh, playing for the the St. John's Ice Caps. Oh, so Winnipeg. It was no. It was Montreal. Montreal was there for like two years oh. before they went to the ball. Um, right. And so it was like if, if that didn't happen, I mean, I'm sure it happens. I mean, meth can attest to this too. So many things have to go right. So many little things that like can really set you up and give you an opportunity. So many little things have to go right, and that was kind of one of them. Um Yeah, Matt Murray broke his broke his thumb, and they needed a guy to come in and kind of fill his role till he got healthy and. I uh, didn't really play much. only played one period, 20 minutes, no goals, eight saves. So um can put me in the rafters in Pittsburgh whenever they want, but uh, <laughs> it, was, it was, it was cool being around. I mean, I was always kind of so starstruck, you know, like growing up watching these guys and actually being in a room with Sidney Crosby, Malkin, um, you know, you finally get to meet them. It's pretty cool. So it was, it was cool to see how they do things and, it was, it was kind of rough on the on the banner night, though, because they were lifting the banner the first game. And they're like, I was wearing number one. And they're like, you're going out first. I'm like, I'm not going. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> and I was the only guy on the roster that wasn't on the roster before. So the whole console, and do PPG paints, whatever it's called now, like everyone was going nuts. The lights are going and they're like. Uh, your Pittsburgh Penguins number one Mike Condon and like, everyone's like oh yeah oh, whatever and then the get a little like, bit
1: of that imposter syndrome yeah,
3: yeah I don't want to go and then like and then the announcer's like and now for your Stanley Cup champion <laughs> and, like I if you look at the photos I'm like 50 yards away from them when they're like lifting the banner and stuff like I want no part of this I didn't do anything to help you guys I'm just gonna go over here but um yeah there's some some funny stories being a, being part of the Penguins there. Did you get like a Crosby autograph stick or anything? Did you even have time to any of that stuff to happen? You can't do that, Wally. You can't. You can't be out. You can't be asking for that. You know, you, your peers, your colleagues. You know, you gotta kind of play it cool at first. You know, so. Okay, uh, I'm gonna yeah, bring was, up a
0: was... Craig Anderson asked for Austin Matthews stick the night he scored four goals against
3: him. I think you can do anything after that that's uh, kind of weird, Craig. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> you know, I, would have been a little, I would have been a little ticked off. I wouldn't have gone and met him, but I guess it's part of hockey history. I know sometimes you got to tip your cap, but um, yeah, I was, I, I. I didn't really operate like that. I was kind of, you know, keep your mouth shut, speak when spoken to type guy. Cause you know, you have that mentality of like you're undrafted and you're on two way contracts, you know, you just, you just don't want to rock the boat. You want to be a professional. And um, you know, absolutely. If I asked, he would have done it, but um, just wanted to act like a a colleague and not a fan. Uh, Then you end up being traded
0: to Ottawa. Did Did you have any inclination that that was on its way? I mean, Matt Murray
3: would obviously have been coming back, but did you see Ottawa as a target? no no idea we were in anaheim on the west coast i, mean, I was at pregame skate it was like 10 30 a.m and then um uh mr rutherford it's bill rutherford right bill jim is that his first name jim oh, I knew. It. Uh, jim rutherford uh came up to me and uh he's like uh good news bad news is you're you're playing tomorrow night but you're not playing for us and i'm like okay and he's like kept on like giving me these clues like i was supposed to figure it out he's like you're he's playing, playing He's like, you're playing Vancouver, and I'm like, okay. And he's, I'm like, in Vancouver. He's like, no, in Ottawa. And I'm like, okay. So I'm going to Ottawa. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, it's eleven o'clock now. The game's tomorrow night at seven. I had to like go back to the hotel, which is like two hours. Get to a one o'clock flight, and from LAX to Toronto, that's six hours. I got into Toronto at like eleven forty-five p.m. and uh, with the time change. Then a the little connector from Toronto to Ottawa, which was late. And I ended up getting in the hotel at like four in the morning. And then oh. PR grew, picked me up at seven. And then uh, we played, we played Vancouver that night. And it was just, it was one of those games where you're just like, uh, everything's kind of against you in terms of energy, feeling good. And you just kind of got to crack your knuckles and be like, all right, got to go out there and kind of blacked out and got a one, nothing win. So that was, that was a long, that was a long uh, 36 hours, you could say. I can't, I can't imagine
0: playing on three hours of sleep and especially in your NH or in your debut with
3: a new team. Like, uh, did you get a pregame nap? Uh, yeah, I, I did pregame skate too. So, I mean, I, I kind of probably shouldn't have done that, but it's like, you can't get traded to a new team and be like, yeah, I'm not skating. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going guys. Sorry. <laughs> sorry guys, no, I'm not going. That's a, that's a bad rap. So, um, I think I slept pretty heavy that afternoon, but, um, or I, I can't really remember. It was all just a blur. You're not really recording much. You're just trying to go from A to B to C. So it worked out pretty well. Um, yeah, it was it was a long long 36 hours.
0: Math, does Kondo have any kind of weird pregame stuff as a typical goalie, or is he just laid back?
1: No, no. You know what? We're alike in many ways. I'd love to shit all over him right now or throw him under <laughs> the bus. But but um, no, he, he was... Just very well prepared, Um, took good care of himself, Uh, you know, very serious prior to game time, a lot like me, like some guys will go play two-touch with the soccer balls, some guys are having a coffee, doing the coffee warm-up, maybe some static stretching, Kondo and I were doing full activations, we're in a full sweat before pregame warm-ups, and that's how we approached it, Mm -hmm. so um, I, you know, we were sitting down with a guy like Dion or another player that i probably have a little more dirt but i can relate to Kondo, so it's it's hard to, it's hard to crap on him for that yeah you gotta you gotta keep moving if you're just sitting
3: there like i would just start thinking and you know, it's just like i can't i can't be thinking i gotta keep moving and that was kind of tough too because you kind of become a slave to your routine and all of a sudden like you have a good game and you did one thing different now you got to add that in, and before you know it you're at the rink three hours for a game and just burning so much energy. That was one thing I was like, how do I like burn less energy before games? Cause like you got pregame skate and then you're running around and then you got kids and it's got to take care of that. Then you got to get your meal in at the right time. If you don't get your meal in at the right time, you're not going to sleep well. And if you don't sleep yes. well, right? and it's all of a sudden it spirals and it was just, um, yeah, it was, it was like game days were just so long. It yeah. felt they were so long because meetings and, all this stuff and the actual playing of the game is the shortest part of the day, which is yeah. like this isn't this isn't efficient. This doesn't seem right, but you just you got all these kind of coping mechanisms and things that make you feel comfortable. But uh, they're
1: certainly tired before the game. Yeah, you never you never shut it off. Like for me, at least, you know, you've got the guys that are super relaxed, they're happy-go-lucky. You know, nothing really kind of phases them. And then you get the the serious guys or the the ultra focused guys, and it's like. I never I could never shut it off. Like I would go weeks on end with like a twitching eye or something like you know maybe the game was tomorrow but today all I'm thinking about is the game tomorrow. I want to make sure that I have a good meal tonight. Yeah. I want to make sure that I'm having a good sleep. Yeah. Um you know maybe there's a hiccup tomorrow during the pregame meal that delays my pregame meal so that I you know like yeah. all these little things that create these and I know Wally you're kind of a type too, so you can relate to this but Hey, like way Condo, like much. it's like any little hiccup and like oh. it really mess with your head. And I hated that I was that way, but it's just just it's just the way I was wired. See? Yeah, I, I spent a lot of money trying to talk to therapists,
3: trying to change that. And they're like, well, you can't yeah. really change it. You're just better off accepting it. I'm like, I can't. Yeah. Accept that," <laughs> you know, like, So it's just like the same page. It was just like one little thing. Like, you know, I got to be back in my apartment at one and eating at 115, you know, sleeping by two. And then if, if that nap doesn't go well, then all of a sudden, like you get angry because you can't fall asleep. Yeah, that's not helping you yeah. fall asleep anyway. So it's just like and you're tired and you're on a plane and you're in a different time zone, your body doesn't even know where it is. And it's just, it's a lot that people don't really see. And I think that's with, with everything, but um playing that's hockey, right. definitely like, an, it's definitely like an iceberg for sure. You only see, you know, 10%. Yeah. Of it. Cause I was just saying, like,
0: yeah. nobody cares, like what I really went through either, but I was the same as you, like had to have my pregame stories done by a certain time and then back home. And then yeah. if I got a nap in then back to the rink at four, four fifteen, like all that stuff even when we ate dinner was it down to a time. So, uh, and if it didn't, it would throw you off a little. And, and it's interesting of how much a few minutes can just mess with your mind a lot until you can try and sort and go, okay, the world's not coming to an end. Let's just keep going here. Yeah. Um, and
1: it's easy to say, it's easy to yeah. say that though. Right. Until I know, but once you're in it. Yeah. Like Kondo talked about that a little bit in that athletic article, I think too, where it's like, you know, you're, you're in the moment and you know that's all you're thinking about you're always so hyper focused on those on that one goal and nobody gives a shit nobody cares that you had a bad morning or that you didn't nap like for a fan they do not even care like you could have an injury report that was out that oh condo's got a bit of a bad back once the game starts nobody's paying attention to that anymore they're just what are you doing for me right now on the ice that's all they care about so it's That gets challenging for players, right? And even for you, Wally, doing live TV all the time. It's like, you just (laughs) got to show up and do the job. Nobody cares about the prep. But see, and I
0: don't know that Mike Condon only has a three-hour nap by the time he got to play his first game. If he got shelled 5 nothing, we'd be like, what is this guy? He'd be like, so there's those times that we don't know anything. And then there's the other times where we may know that you're playing with a bum knee, but we can't say anything because the team or you don't want us to say anything. So we have to continue to kind of harp on you a little bit yeah. less because we, but right. So there's, I understand that all that stuff and yeah. we don't know. And I, and I'm going to say for goalies and like quarterbacks or pitchers, it's worse because you're the one singled out. You get the W's and the L's oh, next to your game is that we come after you harder. And it's a like, why didn't you stop so, that puck? Well, maybe
1: because the fact that well, Eric Carlson is at the other end of the, talking to the goalie, like maybe that's yeah, why. Yeah, And that's, <laughs> that segues me into a good question for Kondo. Kondo, why did you want to be a goaltender? Oh, like, yeah, what, dude. like why? Uh, I, I look back on it now i like, I just want to grab him I'm like
3: don't do it you know but, no, it worked out great 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 i shouldn't say that but my my brother was five years older than me and if i wanted to hang out with the cool kids i had to go and i had to go in the net uh, so that was like the only no one wanted to do it and he had those like not even tennis balls like those mylec plastic ones. oh yeah when they hit skin it's a, it makes a distinctive noise and it, yeah. and it leaves a, it leaves a mark so if I wanted to hang out with my brother and the cool kids in the neighborhood, I had to go in the net and, and then all of a sudden you start getting a taste for it. And you see like all the cool masks and colors and the customization and that kind of took me with it. And, and then all of a sudden it turned into this. And I was like, what, you know, sometimes you catch yourself, like, what did I get myself into? So, um, but it was, there's, there's nothing, I mean, it, it gives you a lot of mental tools, like things don't really upset me in the real world anymore because in my job beforehand, like I couldn't show any emotion, mm-hmm. you could never speak your mind, you had to have all these thoughts and you know you want to snap at a reporter or you want to like carve a guy on sure. Twitter. Um, but you're just like, you just got to breathe in and breathe it out. And all of a sudden that kind of gives you a little bit more ownership and power. And you start standing up a little bit straighter that, you know, you got a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, but right here, you can't, you can't tell, like, I want to smash my stick all the time. When I was younger, I used to do that all the time, but during games, it was just never, never would do it. I wish I did it a little bit more, but I never, never really, you can never really tip your hand as a goalie, which is a tough part because, you know, you're you're buzzing in here but like this has to be stoic and it's just yeah, it's um you know yeah it's it's it, it's a lot of mental tools and, and calmness but you also have to have to have an outlet for that too because you know when you go home you don't want to be uh like you don't want to let it out there on people who don't deserve it which is another difficult part of playing and definitely helps you mature a little bit what was your outlet um, uh, I, uh, I would walk a lot. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's nice when you got a nice jacket, you got a nice jacket, some good boots, and it's like a snowy night in Ottawa and it's wicked cold and you go for like a nice 40 minute walk around the neighborhood and you come back and, you know, your body kind of forgets like what it was thinking about. Cause you're so cold and you know, you're trying to survive and you're focused on your one thing, but I, I would go for, I, I'd walk a lot. I, I tried to, I was playing video games a lot, but that's not good either. Cause you're sitting there and, um, you know, just like in your in, in video games are very mentally like taxing, like, you know, your heart rate gets up and that's not what you want to do. You want to go and you want to go and relax. But I uh, I think I went to the Canadian War Museum in Ottawa like five mm. times. <laughs> people would always be like, hey, what do you want to do in Ottawa? And I was like, well, they got a pretty good war museum. You want? So whatever people would talk, I'd, I'd take them to the war museum and we go in the trenches of World War One. And like I was, I was a yeah. big history buff, so I'd always watch do that stuff and look at the tanks and the airplanes in there. But, um, I'd eat out a lot. You know, I, I, I don't think I cooked one meal for myself when I was in Ottawa. Like I was, I was just going, going to eat and yeah, a lot of great people in the city. So that was, that was, that's what I would do. What was your,
0: uh, relationship like with Craig and even, uh, Andrew Hammond, if that, if I can ask that,
3: oh, were, do you guys always good. get along? Yeah. I, I, I like to look back at pretty much all of my goalie relationships minus like growing up when you were in like travel teams or AAA, there was some rough there were some weird ones in AAA, but all my goalie relationships um were very good very professional and um i kind of took pride in that too because if you got a bad goalie relationship it's it's the it's i think it's like one of the worst feelings that you can have knowing that you know the guy over there doesn't want you to do well you know like not to get like all woo woo and mystical or anything, but I'm not really trying to, I don't, I don't wish anything bad about anyone, even if I'm competing with them, I feel like that's kind of like bad karma, bad energy. It's just like, Hey man, like if it's meant to be, it's meant to be May the best man. win. I wish you all the best out there. Um, And if you win credit to you, you know, if you, if if you, if you took the job, you took the job, it's because, you know, I wasn't good enough or I didn't work hard enough. And I would just kind of put the, responsibility for performance and the responsibility for the relationship on myself, like going out and being outgoing, communicating, um, and really trying to wish the best for the guy. And it's hard too, because, you know, if that guy does well, then, you know, you're, you're not going in. So there's kind of like a, sometimes a conflict of interest, but you just got to know that if you're, if you're putting out good vibes, you know, you're putting out good energy to someone else, that's going to come back to you in another way. Mm-hmm. You
0: played 27 straight games when you got to Ottawa. Andrew Hammond got hurt. Uh, They traded for you with a fifth round pick to Pittsburgh. They brought you in. I don't think you foresaw 27 straight games. Craig Anderson had left to obviously be with Nicole, who was battling through cancer. Uh, What is that stretch like for a goaltender in the National Hockey League to play 27 straight games?
3: Uh, It's tiring. But at the same time too, you just get in like this groove, you know, like if, if it's just like, Hey, like you're, you're going from t- until you don't go anymore. You don't, you don't play well. It's kind of like, all right, it's kind of like, a. you just kind of get into this, this even bigger routine and the games aren't as they weren't as stressful because you like, you played two days before you played two days before that and your body kind of acclimates, but at the same time, the margin for error, is so small that like the one thing is your focus and even if it's an NHL hockey game, like it's human nature to kind of get complacent a little bit, yeah. kind of relax a little bit, especially when you're on like game 15 or 16. Like you give a guy an inch on the power player, you look the wrong way around a screen, it's in the net. You know, that uh, that's just how fast it is. You try to be cute and you know, not you know, respect a guy in the post, you know, guys can score from anywhere. And the puck's moving so fast. So Um, just knowing that and just trying to have focus, I I would just play five minute games. I would like start the period. I'd be like, okay, it's, it's at 20 right now. I got to have the best focus till it's 15 minutes after 15 minutes, there'll be a TV timeout. I'll get a water. And then I'm going to challenge myself from 15 minutes to 10 minutes to have even more focus. And you just kind of like block it off in the little, you know, I guess that's what compartmentalizing is. I always struggle with that word, but compartmentalizing, you know, you just, you can play a five minute game. And once you start doing that, you start rolling, like, you know, get through the first, you know, you got to have a good start, get through the first, once you get through the first, you know, you'll handle it. And you just keep like pushing these things down the road and just handling what's in front of you at the moment. So those five minute games, and that's kind of a lot what I tell these guys too, like when you start thinking or, you know, you're not having the best period or the best game and you got some stuff going on off the ice, it's like, just play five minutes. Can you have like laser like focus for five minutes? I think we could do that. I think Mm. we can do that. So that makes it a little uh, bit
0: easier. I know you're a Princeton grad, but we don't like to use big words on the show. So if you cannot use we compartmentalize again,
3: yeah. Compartmentalize. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> who was who helped your career more? Mark Mathot or Eric Carlson? One played defense and one didn't.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's it's like yin, yin and yang, right? You know, you got the bad right. within the good, and the good within the bad, right? You know, you, you need a Carl and you need a Meth. You need to like, whenever Meth was on the ice, your your heart rate kind of went down like ten beats because you knew you know he wasn't gonna make a mistake, you know he was gonna block the shot, you know he was gonna stick up for you, and he was gonna do that every night no matter what. And that's so important, especially in a defensive core. And then you have another guy where it's just like, okay, if Carl has the the the, the puck on a stick, like there's a little bit more risk, but that risk, he's going to go down the ice or he's going to sauce one, two zones, than Mike Hoffman, um, and he could go down and win you the game.
1: So it was just, um, I can't, I can't answer that. You know, both guys. I, know, you know, I, know, I, know. I hate yeah. it when Wally does that. he, <laughs> <laughs> every time we get a guest on that I played with, there's always like some weird question about not weird, but uncomfortable question and kind of yeah. put you on the spot. You got to get some content, some thumbnail that you can put on Instagram. It's going to be, Oh, is there drama in
3: this conversation? So yeah. a wall. You're <laughs> still a media guy. You're still a media it's, guy. I can't, okay. I can't shake it. So uh, yeah.
0: has, here's another one. Then has anybody ever apologized to you as a teammate for
3: making a bad play that you didn't want to hear from at that time? I, 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 there was never really a point where I didn't want to hear from somebody, you know, like I, it takes a lot of courage for someone to be like, Hey, that's on me. You know, mm-hmm. like I always, I always love that. Like, cause I, and I tried to do that as much as I can, but as a goalie, it's not, it's not really, you don't want to be doing that too much because you know, you, you don't want the team to think that you're worried about it type deal. But when anyone ever came up to me like, Hey, that's on me, that's my fault. It's just like, all right, you know, yeah, we know we're working together here, you know, like you, you're yeah. going to make a mistake and hopefully I'll be there, but I'm going to make a mistake and I know you're going to be there because that's what hockey is, is a game of mistakes. So there was never anyone, unless some guys like on the penalty kill with a minute left taking three empty net shots and icing it every single time. <laughs> I don't think that, I mean, that only happened once in college where you're like, Hey, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, like if there's blatant ignorance that's like the only time and if you know you can tell when someone's sincere as well so right i always appreciated that and you know and i always tried to embody that too you know pulling the thumb instead of pointing the finger or something my dad always said so mm. get extreme ownership and i think that just helps everybody and um yeah there was there was never really a time where i was like get away from me type thing but yeah uh when you so at the end of the
0: well, the third season, or I guess at the start of the third season, uh, you were battling through injury, and then they put you on waivers and sent you to Belleville. Can you take me through that time, which is, I'm going to assume, a whole lot worse than the time they put you on waivers in Montreal? This this one,
3: did it sting? Well, yeah. I mean, it was way easier than the first time because the first time I could walk decently well. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was, the body was a lot better, but kind of going in that season I had a lot of restriction I didn't really know what was going on and you know, I played a, I played one game in Boston and it was just like a, a um, your body kind of knows when something's not right and it's it's just really frustrating when like you you're always on the table you're always asking questions like hey what can I do what's causing this because like I want to take ownership of it I want to take care of it in the gym mm-hmm. I want to find people who can help fix it and I never really got concrete answers, which makes it a lot more anxiety prone because you don't know what's causing the problem. It's like, it's like, Oh, you tore your ACL. Here's the protocol. Here's the best surgeon. No, here's the rehab. Here's your timetable. That kind of takes like a lot of it out of your head. But when you have sort of like a cartilage systemic alignment issue, it's kind of like you're, you're kind of helpless with it. And, um, that's, that's not a great feeling because you don't really have ownership over your health. Um, And so when we were going into Arizona in that game, I was kind of talking to the staff beforehand and I was just like, hey, I got to get through this game. And then after that, I got to go see a specialist, get a shot, get something because, you know, I'm not helping myself. I feel like I can't really help the team and it's not fair for me to go out there if I'm not my absolute best. Mm-hmm. And you know, I didn't even make it through halfway through the game. So um letting that one goal there and I I went to push and you know, my legs don't rotate very well, pad went flat, puck went in. And um that was my that was the last goal I let in the NHL and you know, kind of went off the ice and just kind of sat in the runway for a little bit and just been like, you know, what what is going on? What do I have to do? And you could kind of like as a player, you can kind of tell like, you know, something's coming down, <laughs> something's coming down from uh from up top. So that was a rough night. It's not, it's, especially when you like, you, like you just want to, you just want to take action on something. It's like, what, like, what can I do? Like, like, what is it? Like, like, please, like they kept on telling me it was osteoarthritis, which is kind of a, a blanket term for a lot of injuries. And if you play hockey after 25, you're going to have osteoarthritis, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, like, um, so that, that didn't really, um, resonate with me that, that justification of it. So, I uh, got put on, I saw I was coming out to the bus and, you know, Pierre grew and uh, Pierre Dorian were waiting for me before I got in the bus. And they told me, uh, you know, you're going on waivers, Go um, on the Belleville, get your game right. And I was like, okay, well, before I do that, I'd like to, you know, at least take some action towards, you know, what's, what's going on with my body. And um, I got a cortisone shot in, in the joint, which um, I didn't, I, I, I've never really, not heard of, but I I knew it was for like tendons and ligaments and stuff like that. I wasn't sure if it was good for joint health or, or anything like that, but I was like, okay, that's a short fix. You know, three or four days, go on the Belleville, get back on the horse and um, got that shot. Didn't really feel much better. Went down that game. I, we beat the Marleys seven, six, and it was just kind of more of the same. Like can't really push. My body doesn't want to put weight on it. Um, and after that, I was like, okay, I have a more underlying issue and I got to get this addressed if I'm going to be going forward. So um, it never really got
1: better after that cortisone shot. It kind of actually got a lot worse. It's, it's funny you bring that up about the injuries. I can, first of all, we already talked about the, my knee there and we can, I can relate with you and the cortisone, same thing, never did anything for me, but it's interesting with the dynamic with the trainers sometimes, depending on what the injury is. You just want to know what it is. You want some transparency. And you mentioned something that I can relate to where you're like, if I go out there and play, I'm not going to be very effective. Like you can bring up a minor league player who can actually move and he'll be better than me. And I can, I can't tell you how many times where I've had some like either was either my back or my knee where I'm like, guys, I know you want me to play, but I'm telling you that I'm not going to be any good out there. And it's like, it's like like that old school train of thought at the National Hockey League level and a lot of pro sports. Hey, eh? like they just they can't get around that. They can't wrap their mind around the fact that maybe you're not going to be as good as the other guy tonight, but they still force you to play. And I, for the life of me, I can't understand that. And I'm not trying to throw anybody in particular under the bus. Yeah. Most uh, training staffs are very good, but every time, every once in a while, you get a random injury condo, It's like you know what you're able to do out there, and for whatever reason, verbalizing it to them isn't enough. Yeah, it was like
3: you know I, I got all the imaging done and you know and they just kept telling me oh you know, and like i said like same thing you said Matt. i'm not trying to rock the boat or anything like that. no not no, no no that's all like, like, right I try I, to do I, that here yeah i love i love everybody in ottawa I, I i genuinely think they did their best with it um but you know sometimes they'll tell you like oh it's it's our osteoarthritis but in the back room they're like eh, uh, <laughs> you know like something something else is going on here <laughs> like like they want yeah. to put this guy out to pasture here pretty soon but um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but because uh, it is, you know, it, it's it's a mean potatoes type thing too. It's just like you know, this is everyone's livelihood from the GM down to the the, the guy who's running the sticks. You know, everyone yeah. has to you know put their best foot forward and, and put the people and do their job to the, the best of their ability. So, um, and to your point too, Matt, I think it, I, after seeing like what Carey Price went through this year and you know a couple other guys that I saw during my career, like I think it takes more courage not to play than it does to play 100% man 100% yeah I I truly think that because like whether it's a mental issue or something bothering you it's just like we've just been indoctrinated to go out there and and and, and gut through it which is something I admire about hockey players yes they're willing to do that but it's like kind of makes me sad sometimes too because like like you're watching the game and we were talking about this earlier it's like who knows what's going on in this guy's personal life yeah you know who knows what's going on in his brain and then doesn't have a great night and gets carved up but you know that's that's professional sports you know you're out there you're an entertainer and you get paid a lot and you know that Mm -hmm. comes with you know baggage too
1: yeah uh
0: you tried as i brought up at the beginning to go to tampa and then eventually charlotte and orlando where you were trying to come back and i think charlotte was your last game uh how tough was it for you to walk away
3: um as I look at it now, I was just like really in denial. And it was just like about like my future in hockey and things like that. It was just um, my recipe before that was like, hey, like just work through it. It'll get better. You know, like you're, you're like one crack away from from feeling good again. That's what kind of solved my issues before. And, um, you know, I, I, I really forgot what like feeling good felt like so when I went down there it was like I, I couldn't really do anything in Orlando and then like an opportunity came up in Charlotte and I was like yeah I'll go and and it was just it was <laughs> deep down in my heart of hearts I was like how, how the hell are you gonna play you know like you couldn't get your sock on like what do you like, what are you doing and I remember I was going off the, it was the second period. I was going on a delayed penalty to the bench and the defenseman turned around and passed it back to like the trailer or whatever. And the breakout, it just went straight into the net. And I was like, all right, if that's, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. And I, and I kind of went to the trainer. I go, Hey, I'm really sorry. I really appreciate you guys bringing me in here, but I am a detriment to the team out there. And Um, I I can't go anymore. I'm going to finish the game. But you guys, you know, they they were playing a game like in two days. I'm like, you guys should get on the phones and get somebody in here because I I can't do this. So that was the last one that was in Lehigh Valley. But it was at that point, it was kind of beyond evident that I had a more serious issue going on.
0: Uh, Did it take a while for you to come to grips with that afterwards before you you this year joined the Northeastern coaching staff as a goaltending coach?
3: Yeah, in my head, like. I was just kind of more upset that like I couldn't finish the season. I was like, you got, you got to stop. And like, in my head, I wasn't like, you're not done. You know, you're not done. It's like take some time or whatever. Like, you know, I was like training throughout this whole injury time. And I was like, maybe if you took like three months off, it'll get better and then you can keep going. And when I left, it was like March 10th. And when I, I left, I left Tampa's organization. I went home. I told them like, "I, I, I can't play for you guys. They're like, that's fine. Just go home. And I was like, okay. Um, and like a day after I got home, the pandemic hit and, uh, you know, there was, there was no more therapists, there was no more, uh, training or going anything like that. And even then I was like, Hey, this could be good. And, you know, get away from, you know, the therapy and the treatment and everything. And, you know, maybe that will help you. And it, it just didn't get any better. And I remember I got a call to be like, uh, on the taxi squad for a team and, uh, I told my agent I'd call him back and I was just sitting in the car and I was like, okay, like if Connor McDavid came down on you in a breakaway right now, like what would happen? And I was just like, I'd probably just fall straight on my face and not be able to get up. So I think that kind of answers your question if you can be a taxi squad goalie. So I, I called him back. And I'm like, this isn't in the cards, man. Like tell him I appreciate it, but um,
1: you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of be realistic with it. So. Well, to your point there, many, many healthy players feel that way. So don't worry. Don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> Two
0: last questions. One is, as you now have Devin Levi as your goaltender in Northeastern, who is a Hobie Baker finalist. He's arguably the best goalie in uh, the NCAA who played at Carleton Place for a year. Do you... Th- and Ottawa fans are obviously watching Jake Sanderson or North Dakota as a, as a Hobie Baker finalist as well. Do you think uh, Devin has a chance to be the Hobie Baker winner this year or at least give us an update on how he's played?
3: Yeah, he's been, um, this is, he's a sophomore, but he didn't play last year because of his injury. So this is technically his rookie season. Um, he's played every minute for for Northeastern so, uh, so far this year. Um, and he's, I'm trying to phrase this so that if he watches this, he doesn't get a big head, but um, <laughs> um, I would basically say that he is one of the players that I've seen that has one of the most big one of the biggest impacts on the outcome of the game every night. Like he's just an impactful player. He's so reassuring back there. Um, when guys go down on breakaways, I'm like, he's got this, you know, like it was, it's it kind of just like emanates out from the crease out to the whole team he's been, he's been amazing. I think he has eight shutouts. Um, I think he's got like a 955 save percentage. So um, we try not to talk about, you know, what we're actually doing. We, there, there's time for big picture stuff right now. It's like, all I really want to do as a goalie coach is, is take things out of his head. You know, like don't put anything else in there. Like we, as methyl attest to this, like we always put more things on ourselves. And if there's a coach or a somebody in the organization who can take things off your plate, whether it's through a drill or through practice or through a perspective that kind of just gives you more headspace and lets you um, just be the player and just, and just compete. So um, he, he's doing really great. I don't want to say anything about uh, what, what could be or what pot- potentially could happen. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to play those five minute games um, every game and, and not look at the the stats or anything like that, the numbers and, just worry about competing and getting wins and, you know, that 15 wins so far, I think we're 15, five, 15, five and three, something like that. So, yeah. I mean, the most important number there is 15. So I just keep telling that, telling them that, that the numbers will come. Just, just keep worrying about the, about competing and, and giving your team a best chance. And it's been, it's been great. He's really fun to work with. He's um, he's a computer science major. So he was a very intellectual, intellectual kid. He, he, he wants to leave no stone unturned in, in what he's doing and, not to say like, oh, he reminds me a lot of myself, but he he, uh, he he does a lot. And it's just basically about telling him what's enough and what's not enough. Like, hey, like get off the ice. You've done enough. You know, you're playing all the games. You want to feel good when the puck drops. You don't want to be tired or sore because you bag yourself an hour after practice on Thursday. So kind yeah, of those lessons and a lot of the physical stuff, too, I've been I've been trying to talk to him about. So it's, it's been really great. It's, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be working with him and, and um, TJ and, and Evan there as well.
0: Uh, well, you look like a goaltending genius already in your first year. Uh, last question we have for you, Mike, and that's always the most important one. Uh, if you were to sit down to watch a movie tonight, what would be your favorite cheat snack?
3: Oh, cheat snack. I was already coming out with my favorite movie that I wanted to watch. Favorite <laughs> cheat snack. Oh, boy.
1: I'm not much of a snacker. Um, you gravitate towards something like, like as a cheat meal, like pizza, or like I melt cheese curds in a bowl just about every night, so it's weird. <laughs> See, I think yeah, Matt, that's the same. That is why your
3: knee hurts, Matt. That is that's... why you knee
1: hurts. That is just pure inflammation. <laughs> you're probably right. You're probably right. But I I sauna every day for 20 minutes, and I'm always <laughs> okay. on the Peloton, so that mitigates it. Anyway, no, you're breaking. You must eat something. You, know? <laughs> you must so, have something you eat. Something I eat.
3: Um. I don't know. I've been going to Whole Foods and they got like, the, they have like a Fritos and a Pringles knockoff. That's like healthy for you. Okay. Yeah. I've been, uh, yeah, I know you mean. It comes in the same Pringles can, but, and they taste exactly like Pringles. Are they the veggie, the veggie, the veggie chips that are like in the Pringles can? I haven't looked at the label. All I know is that like, they got no preservatives. They got no garbage in them. I'm just that's like, that's what it is. We buy those that, too. They are, that they are Pringles. And then they got another one that tastes like these corn chips that look and taste exactly like Fritos. So
1: I'm just like, this is great. This is genius. When I think of that. Yeah, yeah, they're like using quinoa or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah, it's good. I think I know what you're talking about. That's what. That's
0: what I'm doing. Uh, what condo? What's your... uh, what's my... <laughs> it's usually chips. Well,
1: yeah. Wally's a chip guy. Yeah.
3: She's... hickory sticks might be the best. What is a cheese curd? That's a big Canadian thing. Is it just like a like? A Have you not had
1: poutine? Right. You know, condo, I, I, like, not- I lived in I lived in Texas for two years, just about okay. as far south as you can get from Canada, and they had cheese curds. Okay, so don't act like it's a Canadian thing. It's a different country, Texas, but I don't know.
3: Which, <laughs> like, like I don't want anything that's been curded or, or curdled. I feel like curd is too cur- close close to curdled. I don't know, cheese it- Sure I don't yet. think
1: I don't think there's a correlation. I think they're just like bits and ends of like cheese like from the factory that they have like a, and they have a different texture. They're like a little squeakier. And you put Have salt you never had in. Oil <laughs> in there? I mix it up with some oil and I, I and then I'm, I'm constipated for 4 days. Do you just eat the cheese? Do you like do you put like chips in it or like you just or do you just I no, I eat it. No, I just no. I don't go carbs. Just fats. Just cheese and oil Jeez. and I one time it. <sighs>
3: Now, that, I, I want to check in with you in a week. You cut those curds out, and you're doing marathons. Like the I marathons. take a strong
1: probiotic. Okay. Okay. Very well, you're, gonna, you're gonna
3: need it. You're gonna need it.
1: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. I, Jeez, all right. Dude. Enough about my. Uh, <laughs> well, you <laughs> brushed <broke stomach. laughs> up. So
3: you went down this. I just condo. Uh, have you never had a poutine? I had a poutine once when I was 13. When we went up to Montreal to play a okay. game, and I'm not so a great guy. Cheese curds. I'm not a gravy guy. I'm not like a, the only type of cheese I like is like melted mozzarella on a pizza. If Mozzarella God. in a solid state, I won't eat. God, you are There's so mozzarella boring. Mozzarella yeah. in like a semi. What's happened state, to you?
1: I won't He's changed.
3: This is, just, this is just me, boys. This is just me. I'm I, I, not Rondo, cheese, I don't like a meat and potatoes kind of guy. I don't like, a, I don't like mayo. I, I, I do not mess around with mayo. Aioli sometimes will sneak in there even though it's just a fancy mayo. Um, oh, you're but you're so still healthy. <laughs> I, no I, it's not even that i'm healthy i'm just like i don't i don't like the texture of it i don't like I just what, what is mayo isn't it like like eggs vinegar and milk curdled together left out in the sun for three days and then put on a sandwich isn't that what mayo is that's the one at whole foods yes okay it's just it's just i, I don't the shelf life <laughs> of eggs. i don't i i, 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 I don't know I don't know. Boys.
0: All right. Fair so, enough. Listen, I, we don't judge here. Well, actually we do a lot, but uh, you can eat what you want. So uh, Kondo, it's, it's been nice to see you. My friend, uh, we, we missed you here cause you were very good to deal with. So uh, thank you for all the time that you happened to give to me, even though you probably didn't want to answer most of the questions.
3: Oh, no, this has been great guys. Like, you texted me and I was just like, I haven't, I haven't seen, I haven't talked to meth. I haven't talked to many guys. I haven't seen Craig. I haven't seen, I haven't seen Wally. So, you know, you guys were always, uh, always very kind to me there and that and that's something that you remember too is like you know not how people played but how they treated you Agreed. you know like that's as you get older that's the thing that kind of resonates and that's kind of the only thing i really care about is how um you know how like how, how you make people feel so um yep. you got all all three of you guys here on the screen have been nothing but kind to me when i was there so that's that stuff lives in my brain for for perpetuity so thanks Connda much respect to you all and if you guys ever need any hot takes in the future I'll be sure I'm around you guys got my number
1: i'll give. maybe you could be our to. yeah you could be our, our like resident liaison goalie expert when we have questions. Yeah i am just come on here and start carving goalies.
3: <laughs> I'm a big goalie apologist, man. I see a goal going. I'm like, Oh, not his fault. You know, there's snow in his eyes, you know, like, yeah. they, uh, I'm a goalie apologist. I don't, uh, I'm not going to carve anybody, but, but yeah, if you guys yeah. need anything, let me know. All right. Thanks. Perfect. Kondo. Appreciate it. Take care condo. All right. See you guys later.
0: All right, welcome back to the Walling the Thought Show. Once again, thank you to Mike Condon for stopping by for a quick chat. Always nice to see him. Uh, welcome to the show, Craig, as always. Um, yes. You know what? Like, I meant to bring this up off the top. We got sidetracked with the guys. As I usually do. Meth, if you're going to dress up for the TV, can't you dress up for, like, our show a little bit?
1: What do you mean? You're not you wearing suits. I have well, a nice okay, collar. Well, I can't sweater. wear, like, uh, are you kidding? 80. I can't wear a sweater. I'd be, I, I, I gotta say this. I I am notoriously um. What sorry? Let me rephrase that. When it comes to the winter, I never wear sweaters. I can't, Wally, because I just sweat. I'm always sweating, even when I'm going outside. I throw the jacket on. I got a T-shirt on, so I'm not ever. You're never gonna see me in a sweater ever. You're gonna see some stubble though on on TV. Yeah. The other day, I like that.
2: You, you are you guys? No, it was my good. Here, no, it was good. We were, we were joking about no, that. I'm was in like favor. Beep- yeah, I know Brent. Brent's a big fan of that. But yeah, and we noticed it the other day because because usually you go like baby face to there, and then you come back, and somehow it's regrown the next day. And so yeah. that's good.
0: Okay, okay. so now I'll keep it. I'll keep it for tonight. All right. Do you? And by the way, do you have a good suit
1: picked out? No. People want to know, if know your what wife I'm going to wear. I might wear suits. something very. I might wear some baby blue linen looking suit tonight. We'll see. It depends. I just, you know. I don't want to go too overboard here. I don't want to play a me... t-shirt or something. On yeah. Too, <laughs> yeah. We'll see.
0: <laughs> uh, finally, is there any chance that you're shaving for the next week since you're going on vacation?
1: Uh, I don't like getting, I don't like it getting too long. I might trim it, but um, I know my wife likes not have, I don't think she likes the baby face. I typically don't get a lot of good responses from it. So I'm going to keep <laughs> a little bit of hair. Uh, are you excited for your trip? I am excited. Yeah, we're going to Cabo for a week. Um, uh, just looking to get away, man. Yeah. Well, we we planned we planned the vacation, assuming that the the NHL Olympics were going to work out. This was yep. months back. Yeah. And obviously that didn't work out. So now I'm missing a couple games this upcoming week, and I'm missing the show. And uh, it turned out to be a big fiasco. It's pretty good <laughs> fiasco, though. Oh, yeah, I know. Could, I'm not complaining. Could be anything. worse. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to sitting on a plane with the mask on for five hours, breathing that. But other than that, I'll have to suck it up and get through it. Are you, do you got any plans for when you're in,
2: in Cabo, anything on the docket you're looking forward to, or is it just like poolside for the
1: most No, part? we're going with another couple. Um, um, One of my agents actually, Rob Hooper. Uh, He's, he represents a couple guys that we know. So uh, we've been very close since I was like 17. Like he's always been my guy. And um, so we're going to go together and I don't know. We might do some fishing. I've never done any deep Ooh. sea fishing, so maybe I'll do that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, just a reminder, the Monday that you're there is Valentine's Day. I, I know you don't put
1: this in your calendar, so just I'm trying to help you out. What, a, what an absolutely, what an absolute joke of a holiday. Do you know how expensive <laughs> this is
0: going to be for you?
1: It's just, just a joke. I I think it's such a silly day. Anyway, I, I mean, we don't
0: do it. I told my I'm like, you're not getting anything for Valentine's Day. Like, you're what never, is like, that? What, what is that? I don't need to know? spend an extra 80 bucks on you to get you cards and chocolates on Valentine's Day when I can and buy it the next does day. Does anybody really
1: does anybody give a shit about cards? Like, do you guys care? Like, I, I'm no. different. Maybe when I get a card, I'm like, thanks. Well, now like, yeah, I, I used to make those. them.
0: I used to make them all the time. And so like, I aren't I'm you lo- special two hours of trying to move the heart around yeah oh, yeah
2: you're no. such you're
1: such a nerd you know that
2: <laughs> did you make them on the computer or did you like craft yeah. them no computer? no okay. no
0: yeah on the like computer. A Crafting. Man. and then you gotta like, got to figure out it. if you yeah, if you print sorry. on one side to flip it over to the other side so it comes out the same way and not the other way because i would always forget yeah and so then it'd be upside down it'd be a nightmare and have 25 well i get the kids
1: like it's, it's cute, eh? Like when your kids can make you a card or something, oh, like, yeah. that's yeah. fine. I get it. Sure. But yeah. like adults exchanging Valentine stuff, no. it's just, no. it's a farce. That ends yeah. in high school. I agree. I can't, you guys, Craig, did you... do you, Craig, can yeah. you give me a hell yeah? Do you agree with us? <laughs> with what? Valentine's day? Well, here's <laughs> yeah, the thing. My, on, my, we're my... trying to drag you down with us.
2: My yeah. wife's birthday is the day after Valentine's day. Uh, so oh! we just kind of lump it all
1: together. Boys. Okay, <laughs> okay. That's good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, never no. mind. Yeah, no, you were to we're do both, different. I'd be no, like, I'd no. want to slap you across the screen. No, and you know.
2: we've been together so long, we have like built-in traditions that are like cheap. Like this, <laughs> this is going to sound bad, but on uh, for <laughs> Valentine's Day, we go to Subway. <laughs> 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 that sounds bad, but we've been legit doing that since we were like uh, seventeen. I'm good with it. Right? If that's so your it's thing. Like, yeah, it's kind of a joke or whatever. And sure. financially, it works out that I can crush a big bready sandwich once a year. So good. good. So, meth. Yeah, then,
0: do you and
1: Ellie have any kind of weird little traditions?
0: Mm.
1: not really i mean I, I maybe we do that i'm unaware of but i can't think of anything that kind of strikes me right now off the top of my head okay
0: okay
2: what kind of yard know.
0: equipment are you getting uh, lisa this year she could uh, probably a leaf blower she
1: probably was just gonna say blower. just
2: add it to the, add it to the <laughs> mix there here's a
1: shovel here's a leaf blower <laughs> yeah you know she got her a whipper like battery operated because oh, she didn't
0: like the gas one i had she couldn't start it so oh I had to get God. her a battery one. You're That's
1: unbelievable. So <laughs> you are so unbelievable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, by the way, uh, Monday show we've replaced you, Matt. Uh, Bobby Ryan and Ian Mendez are coming in to uh, get very nice.
1: You. Yeah, it takes so two be... people to replace you. That's how crucial you are. I'm looking forward to not being on the show Monday.
0: Oh, I'm calling oh, Matt. you, Matt. You're we're gonna get. <laughs> Dude, I hope Ellie doesn't watch. Well, she doesn't watch the show, so that she when you leave for five minutes, you can join the show. It's at yeah, 1 o'clock like, hey, Eastern. Be,
1: Yeah, we'll be by the pool. I'll be like, hey, I got to the bathroom. Hang on, I'll be yeah. right back. Yeah, <laughs> bad, bad sushi at lunch. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on our balcony. Talking to you guys.
0: Perfect. I'll look forward to it. Stay by your phone. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's it, Sounds by good. the way. So, Matt, enjoy your uh, vacation. We look forward to uh, all the stories you're going to have you. to share with us when you come back, maybe. Thank you. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> see you, boys. See you, guys. That's, that's the William of Thought Show brought to you by sportsinteraction.com. We'll see you next time.